The wind at your back. The sun on your face. The sails full. You and your friends on Lake Union with the cream of Seattle's internet intellectual left. <laughs> we can put in the music af- after. Right, we can, <laughs> Brian, we can edit in the music. That's, um, that's Brian's theme. For, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the Seattle Sucks Cruise, you and one of your friends can join us on beautiful Lake Union, sailing aboard a majestic naiad, home of the Seattle Sucks podcast, with some of, with hopefully, if anyone comes, some of our previous guests. I'll make my guac. There oh, will no. be hard I seltzers. Hope you like onions. <laughs> hey, Hard whoa, 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 and whoa, heavy whoa, onions. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa, I have not. That is my. That. Okay, I will never be. I will never hear the end of this one time 10 fucking years ago. I, I may. I, I put too much onion in fault. some guac. Okay? I, I will never hear the so fucking sorry. end of it. You've had my, my. It's good. I love it. It's great. You've had my I guac. Just, People love my guac. Okay, okay Willie Loman. Yes, things people. About yes, you've got a great guac, Greg. <laughs> Don't worry about your guac, buddy. <laughs> guac. It's game not. It's under control. It's not the size of the onions, but the uh, motion in your guac making. I don't know what. <laughs> I use. Um, I use a recipe that calls for a mochilete, which is a traditional yeah, Mexican mortar and pestle, broad-shaped you mortar and pestle. Oh. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. But I, instead, I use... <laughs> I'm sorry, Brian. I'm so sorry. I already sorry. want to sign out of this. <laughs> yeah. I use a mixing bowl and the bottom of a This um, is coming from glass. the guy who said we could do yeah. this in you under see, 30 minutes, also, by the way. <laughs> you see, so. you see, uh, my... Very traditional guac recipe is more of a salad of chunks salad. of avocado yeah, in a dr- in a and you're going a salad what dressed dressed with a slurry like of of cilantro and lime uh, and and jalapeno. Um, yeah. So it, it preserves the in the chunks you preserve the texture the silky texture of the avocado. All right, guys, you heard it here first uh, with your own ears. You're going to get uh, that guac. Greg is talking about the first ever Seattle Sucks cruise. That's you right. and your closest friend can go for th- a three-hour tour of the marina where Greg keeps his boat. No, no, with- on Lake Union, we're going to go, we get to go under a bridge, we get to honk a horn. Hell yeah. And make the bridge Is that really up. how it works? We'll then- let you yeah, honk the I, horn. I lay on my horn, and the bridge opens up and traffic stops while I go under I it. was hoping there was some oh, kind Lord. of weird semaphore that you would, you know, <laughs> to, like do the... Yeah, put up like a hobo glyph. The they- signs from help, and then yeah. they... They raised the yeah. So yeah. if my horn wasn't working, so okay. yes, or you and your favorite other can come on this mm-hmm. boat. With but how the Seattle sucks? All you have to do is come to a very special fundraiser. They'll be happening August tenth at the Beer Authority on Lake City Way at six p.m. Where we'll be raising money for immigrant legal defense. August, so, August, August, tenth, 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 tenth. It'll be uh, a silent auction where you can bid for the chance to get on Greg's boat 
And once you're there, we'll have Greg's guac. We'll also have guac bought from the store if you don't like his. Oh, yeah. I oh, think you hell know yeah. we absolutely will We should do not. a guac taste test. Fuck put- off. I'll get it from three different convenience yeah, stores. Absolutely. No fucking hell yeah. way. I'll make some, bitch. No, fuck no. <laughs> there's only one guac. There will be too <laughs> much guacamole on this boat. Oh, when there's you get already going to be too much guacamole. I only make a huge batch. You'll be there with the hosts of Seattle Sucks, not including Colin, as well as potential Seattle Sucks guests. So, if you want to hear the most loudmouth, worst opinionated people on the show, by all means, come by the Beer <laughs> yeah, Authority Sunday, 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 August tenth, uh, six p.m. Seattle and Sucks bid. podcast co-sponsoring this event. That's, yep. um me and Greg will be there like idiots. You can yell at us Bryn about the audio quality. On. Yep. Um, you know, past guest, friend of the show. Um, and it is, you know, um, obviously the most important news here is the Seattle Sucks cruise, but you know, uh, and that's why you're going to show up. But just so you're aware when you walk in the door, so you don't feel like a Claude and asking people why we're what we're all doing in this this bar um it is to raise money for uh immigrant legal defense because folks they fucking need it yeah yeah it's uh it's a problem you're here on a special little mini sode where we're gonna talk about a little bit uh we're gonna have a uh article reposted onto the Seattle sucks picayune. Reposted uh, from Jacobin without permission. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, if they want my, per- or they want me to ask them permission, they should fucking pay me. Yeah. <laughs> True that. That's right. There is no money in publishing for the left. But anyways, <laughs> point being is that uh, check out the article, and we're gonna talk a little bit about it here. But definitely come out, and uh, if you're wondering what you can do when you hear about the. Just awful shit that is going on regarding immigration in this country. One thing that absolutely you can do and can do right now is provide money to get somebody out of a cage right now. Send lawyers. Guns and money sold separately. Yeah. Uh, There are other solutions that people in the area have come up with. (laughs) Innovations. Yeah, innovations. Yeah. Uh, Well, please come through. Uh, It's very important. We want to see you there. Uh, And so, Brian... Can you, can you please regale us with tales of violence at the border from from your article that is being graciously uh, lended to us from Jacobin or liberated from <laughs> liberated Jacobin. from the yeah. the iron grip uh-huh. of Jacobin? We are entertained um, by tales of violence. Please, yeah. uh, please tell great us. transition as always, Colin. Oh yeah, thanks. So, <laughs> in all seriousness. Um, you know, I, I had written this article last year for Jacobin. Uh, we're going to repost it with an author's note about things that have happened since then. Talking about the history of violence on the U.S.-Mexico border, talking about how it didn't just start happening today, that this is part of a process of escalating violence, that the only end of that process is either going to be liberation or even you know worse things down the road. And I thought, I tell a lot of stories in the article, but I thought there was one in particular that is uh, worth going through. And it's from 2016. And it's the story of a man named Jose Rodriguez who had spent most of his life living in North Carolina. He was a construction worker there. He, you know, had a family. He raised his kids there. 
And then one day in 2016, you know, he was uh, deported like, you know, a quarter million other people were. Goddamn that Trump year. administration. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he was uh, deported by, you know, the presidential administration that's deported more people than any in history. Oh, that was Trump. Uh, Again, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a certain administration that I guess uh, will go unnamed. Uh, <laughs> check your history books. Check Wikipedia. Uh, see who was in office in 2016. But, um, you know, Jose was deported uh, back to his, you know, uh, home city of Palo Alto, Mexico. Uh, once he was there, you know, he, you know, he found work in, but he couldn't support his family on the wages that were being paid in Palo Alto. So he began making plans to make his way back to the United States where he could presumably again get a construction job that would support his family. Uh, his wife interviewed uh, by the Guardian, you know, even says, you know, he didn't want to go to the United States, but the economic situation is so dire here that he had to. He brokered a deal with a, you know, coyote on the Texas-Mexico border who, you know, shuttled him across the Rio Grande in a raft in the middle of the night, at which point he was loaded into a uh, semi-trailer that was then driven from uh, the Texas-Mexico border to the city of San Antonio, several hundred miles inland. This was the middle of summer. It was over 100 degrees during the journey. The trailer had no uh, air conditioning in it. Uh, it had a refrigerant refrigeration system on it that hadn't worked in who knows how long. It had no ventilation in it. One of the, his uh, co-riders with him uh, had described the experience in the truck saying, you know, after an hour, I heard people crying and asking for water. I, too, was sweating, and people were despairing. That's when I lost consciousness. Uh, inside the trailer, of course, had become a furnace. Uh, people, you know, reported, you know, these you know, immigrants that were inside had reported later to the group racists in San Antonio, had reported that some cried, screamed, and hammered on the walls. Others lost consciousness and hallucinated when they came around, believing they were dead. The truck ultimately ended up on the south side of San Antonio in a Walmart parking lot where it was abandoned, presumably for, uh, you know, additional people within this, you know, uh, illegal smuggling network to open up and let the people out. But obviously they knew something had gone wrong. So by the time the truck was opened, uh, Jose Rodriguez and seven other passengers were already dead, and two would die later in the hospital. This was a repetition of another tragedy that happened actually in Victoria, Texas, several years earlier. Uh, pretty much the exact same story. Now, the reason why Jose Rodriguez was in that truck is because, you know, he lives in a system of, you know, national borders where the fact that he wasn't born in the United States was the only thing that mattered. His decades of life here his family being here, all that kind of stuff had no impact on his legal status that allowed for him to be just picked up and, you know, unceremoniously shipped back across the border to an economy that had uh, been, quite frankly, destroyed <laughs> over the years by U.S. imperialism. Uh, the reason why he had to sneak across the border was from decades of policy 
that militarized cities along the U.S.-Mexico border and forced people into trying to cross at the most dangerous points on the U.S.-Mexico border and empowered smuggling organizations that charge enormous sums of money to transport people uh, in very dangerous circumstances. Those organizations smuggle people in such dangerous circumstances, not because they're heartless, not because they're uh, awful human beings, although that might be the case for some of them. They do it because they're scared of the massive police state that's been created in the 100-mile border zone where you know they could be intercepted, shot at, killed by uh, American border enforcement, which has you know at this point essentially become a militarized occupation, complete with Black Hawk Black Hawk helicopters, in-wrap tanks, and uh, drones uh, patrolling the area. People are regularly killed on the border with impunity. Uh, a border guard in Arizona and Nogales shot and killed a young teenager in Mexico while he was buying a hot dog at a hot dog stand because he was bored while walking along the border fence. No charges were filed. Similarly, in El Paso, in a very important case, uh, a border guard shot a kid in Ciudad Juarez. Uh, That case was resolved by the Supreme Court, who uh, ruled on whether or not the family of the child was able to bring suit against uh, the American Border Patrol for the murder. And it decided that they were not because, after all, if uh, you know somebody in a foreign country could bring suit against an American agent for killing them on foreign soil, that would mean that, and this is to quote the court's logic, uh, anybody who died from a drone attack would be able to sue the United States. So therefore, this would not be allowed, right? So Makes sense to me. And as much as that violence that comes from the Border Patrol, which is why... You know, the coyotes were doing the things they were doing on the border. Why Jose Rodriguez ended up in that truck? Why the driver of the truck ran away instead of seeking help? Um, That's not even the most dangerous part about the border. Three quarters of people who die crossing the U.S.-Mexico border, of which hundreds die every year. It's assumed somewhere between 300 and 500 people die every year crossing the U.S.-Mexico border. Most are going to be killed by the... Uh, the environmental conditions that they're forced into by closing off the cities, uh, you know, from border crossing and things like that. So people die of hypothermia, they die of hyperthermia, so they die of the heat, they die of the cold when they're in the mountains. They get swept away in the Great America Canal in uh, California and drowned. They get sucked into storm drains when there's storm flows, as has happened uh, in Arizona multiple times, and die in there. And they die largely of lack of water from a border patrol who destroys life-saving water stations. And it just described the circumstances on the border over the last 30 years as grim does not, you know, really suffice. Um, No. Yeah. So the real question is, is that, you know, we talk about concentration camps on the border, but concentration camps on the border are the only... Uh, that's the only logical outcome of the current border regime. And the next step, which I think we all know, is the only logical outcome of continuing down this path, right? These are people whose lives are considered expendable, and they're considered you know, worthless to the American state and worthy of sacrifice for uh, you know, 
uh, political point scoring and things like that from everybody from uh, Barack Obama to Donald Trump to Hillary Clinton to Bill Clinton to George W. Bush, right? And um, while this is an awful story, feel free to go on the Seattle Sex Picayune and read more like it. <laughs> um, uh, but it's it's a truly tragic situation, and that's why we ask you guys to come out. You know, uh, it seems like a small thing to provide for people's legal defense, but people die in those cages. The ice keeps them in. Uh, people are left there and forgotten for years. Before Trump put concentration camps on the border, there was already accounts of people spending years in immigration jail just completely lost. Uh, stories of women you know, giving birth, handcuffed to beds and things like that, shackled to the ground while pregnant, right? Stories of people just mysteriously dying of accidental hangings in immigration prison. Um, Basically, like the things you would hear on the jury at a Crimes Against Humanity trial. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, nothing that you could read America about folks. on the border that would seem out of place in the Nuremberg trials or anything like that. Yeah. And um, the violence on the border is extreme. People are just becoming aware of it, but it's worse than you think it is. And it's been going on a lot longer than you think it has. Um, you know, I guess it's telling that, uh, you know, in your grade school or whatever, uh, you were, you know, people were made aware of the obvious injustice of the Berlin Wall and the 160 people who died over the 30-year history of it. And it seems, wow, what an insane thing. How could people tolerate such the existence of such a thing? Uh, more people are going to die this August in Arizona crossing the border than died over the entire history of the Berlin Wall. So that's something to wrap your head around. The reason why people can die like this is because they're considered non-citizens. They're considered not important people, and we just don't even acknowledge that it happened. It doesn't have to be covered up because we just already have written them off. And Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, read the article. Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe you read it the first time. Read it, check it out again, and uh, enraged by it, uh, show up on August 10th. And, yeah. uh, you know, pass this around, tell your friends. Uh, they'll, we'll put, you know, hopefully when you're listening to this, there'll be a bit of a Twitter blitz going on with some yeah, links details. and things and, you know, that are easily passed around. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we hope to see you there. Um, because uh, you know it's a small thing, but it's, it's fuck, it's something. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it, and it you know if some of the stuff like you know it, it certainly feels small and it certainly is in a grand scale to compare to what needs to be done. But fuck, man, like uh, you know we talked about in this previous episode where we had a public defender on the difference between having a lawyer and not having a lawyer, having legal funds and not having legal funds is enormous and. As bad as it is if you're in the criminal justice system in the United States, the parallel justice system that we have for people who are non-citizens is a million times worse. And, uh, yeah, I mean, whatever you can give is great. You know, come out to the fundraiser. I promise I won't regale you with more of these stories unless you want to hear them. Um, but, yeah, yeah, please come out. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Um so check that out on the Picayune. We will put a link to that. And as Brian and Greg said, you just check our social media. We'll be talking about this a lot in the days and weeks leading up to the event.
So hope to see you there again. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>